This week's been quite the week. I don't know about for you, but for Kimberly and I, as we've been walking around Howick, getting our own exercise in, it's been, there's been an eerie silence around the place. It's been beautiful because it's been quiet, but also we can see from our place the pollution in, New Zealand, in Auckland is almost nil, which is just beautiful. 2020 has been anything but normal. The new year has brought new uncertainty and a brand new virus that we never even heard of, a novel virus. And it's thrown much of the world into a spin, both emotionally and financially. There's been fear, even as I walked through Countdown this week and I walked down an aisle, only letting 50 people through at a time, people were almost avoiding, and you could see literally, for the first time I've ever seen that, fear in people's eyes. Stock markets are driven by fear and greed, and we've seen the effect of that recently. Trillions and trillions of dollars have been just wiped off in value. And it seems like the entire world right now, from India, I was talking to Jacques this week in New York, is under quarantine. That is, unless you're in Northland. Well, that's another discussion. In my lifetime, we've never seen anything like this. Not on this scale. The magnitude is hard to grasp. But what I do see is uncertainty and fear and worry are also going viral. So much so that I noticed in a magazine I don't normally even touch. Time magazine has an article this week. You can see it here on the screen. It says coronavirus pandemic may be causing anxiety and an anxiety pandemic or a worry pandemic. We all have our pet worries. Some are worried predominantly about finances, which is often related to jobs. Others are worried about stressed relationships and marriages because they are spending time with husbands and wives and children that they don't normally spend 24 by 7 with. And that has its own internal pressures. But as Christians, we are called to pray for one another, love one another, encourage one another, in spite of of this upheaval in the midst of community worry and anxiety. And the way to do that is to focus our minds and our hearts on the worship of our God compared to the worries of this world. What are you focusing on your mind now? What's uppermost in your mind? Let's talk about worry for just a moment. There's a few problems with worry that spring to mind. Number one, and if you have your outline, be a good time to whip it out. The problem, first problem with worry is it's unhelpful. It never accomplishes anything. It's kind of like revving your car engine, stepping on the gas without putting it in gear. What, what does that do? Nothing much but create a lot of noise and smoke. It just doesn't go anywhere and consumes a lot of energy. Not only is worry unhelpful, friends, it is also unreasonable. It's unreasonable because it exaggerates your problems because it goes over and over in your mind. Now, to worry about something you cannot change is useless. To worry about something you can change is stupid. If you can change it, just go ahead and change it. But either way, don't worry. The third point about worry I want to bring up is worry is unhealthy. Our bodies are not made by our Creator to worry. That's why Jesus says many times, don't worry, be anxious for nothing. It'll make you ill. Makes some people, it's hard for them to sleep. 
Others get headaches. But worrying for sure exhausts you and makes you more vulnerable emotionally and for physical issues. So that's not too smart to worry because it wears you down. Worry is unhealthy, so be careful. And it's also, I've noticed, contagious. Parents, be careful around your children, the language you use, because anxiety and panic are very easily passed on to your spouse or your kids. Fourthly, worry is unnatural. People are the only thing in God's creation who worry. Have you noticed that? Actually, you and I weren't born warriors. It's a habit that you and I learn through the pressure of this culture and having our mind focused on the world rather than the worship of God. And you have to practice it to get good at it. Now, the good news is that if worry, and I've said this many times, if worry can be learned, the good news is it can be unlearned. So let me give you something to focus on instead. Can I suggest through this season that you have a renewed commitment and joy in worship rather than worry? Now, the only difference between worry and worship is what you choose to focus on. Either A, our eternal God, who or the cares of this world, which will soon pass. So, question, are you focusing your attention on what you can't control, or are you putting your attention on who is in control? So, worry, another way of looking at that is worry is a control issue. It's trying to control what we can't control. That could be the economy. You and I can't control that economy. Many of my kids are either in business or the opposite end is a non-profit. And they're all grappling with the issues of this and the implications of this coronavirus, probably much like you. But we can't control the economy. We can't control other people's behavior either in this crisis. And we certainly can't control the future. So if we sum that part up, worry never solves anything. It's pretty much stewing without doing. And you can spend an awful lot of effort on that. So, on the contra, how should we respond in this crisis? To deal with the spread of worry and anxiety in our homes, in our lives, and in the neighborhoods. Well, today I want to take a look at the most beloved psalm in the Bible, Psalm 23. So let's take a look at that. The first point on your outline. We're going to talk about the antidote to worry. The first thing we need to do is come to a realization that God will take care of me. Psalm 23 is very familiar. But let's read this first verse on your outline. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. If I believe that God will take care of me, I won't worry. Now some of you say, hang on. If I let the Lord be my shepherd, how is that exactly an antidote? Well, that's a great question. What does a shepherd do? Well, a shepherd provides. He provides the basic necessities for the sheep of food and shelter and protection. And he guides, he leads the sheep when they are confused about what to do or where to go. God says, if you'll trust him and let him be your shepherd, he says, I will provide and I will guide for you. I'll guide you. He says, if you let me be your shepherd, notice this verse, God takes care of his people like a shepherd. Isaiah 40 verse 11. 
Even more specific, if you want to read that on your outline too, it says, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I want to notice a few things about that verse. Firstly, God will meet your needs. He promises there, but he doesn't talk about your greeds. And there's a difference between needs and wants. And that's a great question and a great parenting principle. Have you taught your children what they think they need? Sometimes it's just really a want. Now, God hasn't promised to meet all of your wants, but he does say, I will, not might, or possibly, I will meet your needs. So here's a question. If God has promised to provide for you and guide you when you're confused, what is there left to worry about? So not only is worry unhelpful, it is unreasonable, it is uh, unhealthy, it's unnatural. There's another thing too. It's actually unnecessary if Jesus Christ is your shepherd. In fact, any time you're a worry wart, you're acting like you're an atheist. And you're acting like you don't have a heavenly father. You're actually saying, in effect, well, I know God says that, but I don't think he's going to follow through and to keep his promise, to take care of my needs. Friends, in the sentence, worry is practical atheism. Where you're saying to God, he isn't going to do what he says he'll do. So how do I make God the shepherd of my life? Friends, God isn't the shepherd of everybody. He's only the shepherd of those folks who let him be their shepherd. I want to talk about these three next points as to how we make him our shepherd as the antidote to worry. The first one is I need to actually accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. Notice it says there, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Listen carefully to this. The Lord can't be your shepherd until first the shepherd is your Lord. And you can't say, well, I want you to be the shepherd of my life, but not the Lord of my life. Those two go hand in hand. Now, some of you are seeing this online for the first time are saying, well, what is a Lord? Well, a simple answer is it's whoever is in charge, whoever is the boss, the CEO, the manager, the chairman of the board. Is Jesus Christ calling the shots in your life or is he not? So question one, what does it mean to accept Jesus as Lord? Three things in this next verse help fill this answer out. Jesus said here in John chapter 10 verse 14, he says, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And my sheep know me. They listen to my voice and they follow me. There are three things. Circle those three things there. Know, listen, and follow. These three things are what it means to make Jesus Christ your Lord. It means you put him in control, not me and not you. And here's the heart of this short, simple message this morning. All that worry that you sense gnawing at you is really a control issue. The root behind all your worry is the fear that you're not in control and therefore you feel insecure and therefore you worry. Worry is like the warning light in your car that goes on when you're trying to control something that you shouldn't be trying to control. Like what? Like the economy. You can't control that. Sometimes even some of your kids your older kids, you can't control it either. 
Second question, who's in control of your life? Well, God gives you a choice. Either you can be in control of your life, he says, or you can let me be in control of your life. There's none of this co-pilot stuff where God's your co-pilot because you crash and you get the blame. You need to choose. You may try and get others to think also that you have all of your life under control. But can I tell you a really honest and vulnerable secret? Nobody, nobody in this world has it all under control. If you're running your life without God's direction, you ought to be worried though. Because most things in this life, you can't control. But if God is running your life, then he is the Lord and the shepherd. Back to that definition. And you know God is in control of everything. So you don't sweat it. Even this virus, he knew that this was going to happen to the entire world. And I think he's going to use this to get people's eyes back off the crazy, materialistic, headlong, exhausting pursuit that they've been in and get them focused on things that really count. So if God's running your life, he is your Lord and your shepherd. So you don't sweat it. And therefore, the logical thing to do is Make Jesus the Lord of my life. Second, B. Begin praying about everything. You say, well, what do I pray about? Well, if we prayed about all the things we worried about, we wouldn't have much to worry about, right? That makes sense. Worry doesn't change anything, as we mentioned before. But prayer does. It changes me most of the time. And prayer gets in touch with God who can change things. He can actually do something about it. So there's a great opportunity during this time when we're at home to spend some more focused time with the lover of our souls. Because we've really only got two options. One is we pray, or two, we get ourselves into a tiz or a panic. Now, what does Jesus say about this? Take a look at this verse here. Actually, Paul speaking here in Philippians 4. He says, don't worry about anything. Does that include your job? Yep. Because that ultimately, God is your provider. If he turns off one tap here, he'll open up another tap over here. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. There's the contrast. The trouble is we get it around the other way. We tend to worry about everything and pray about nothing. So the Bible says, though, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God your needs. If you do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. Now, a couple of words to circle there. Circle the word everything. Pray about everything. Not just religious things. I know some people have got a misapprehension that they think that God just wants to hear about, you know, bless the missionaries and thanks for the food. And they never ever end up getting around to talking to him about the personal issues in life. For instance, God, I have absolutely no idea what to do about my kids who are driving me mad right now because we're locked down. Or God, I really need some help in this marriage because it ain't going nowhere. It's just drifting. Such close proximity makes it very easy to be frustrated with one another. So those are some things you could pray about. God's ability, remember, is far, far greater than your anxiety or mine. Look at this next verse. 
says, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So whenever you're stressed or whatever you're stressed about, unload it on him. That's the idea of cast it all off onto Jesus. Now, the third action you can take if you want to deal with worry, number one, let Jesus be the Lord of your life and the shepherd. Number two, pray about everything. And then number three, consider or focus or concentrate on one day at a time. The Bible says this in Matthew 6.34. It says, so don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. Friends, the future can seem sometimes absolutely overwhelming. So God has put the future in bite-sized pieces. I found that an endless fixation, I don't know about you, on the news or in the social media can be, over, can be absolutely overwhelming. My suggestion to you is get the facts from a few reputable sources. Notice this next verse. Give us today our daily bread. Matthew 6, 11. It's not weekly bread. It says, take one day at a time. And sometimes I think we've forgotten about that. Overcoming worry is a day-by-day choice. Unfortunately, there is no pill that will stop you worrying. There's no one spiritual experience that they'll ever, you, you can take and you'll never worry again. Worry and the antidote to it is a daily choice where you say, Father, I'm going to believe the Lord is my shepherd. Or the other choice is I'm going to act as my own Lord. And if it's to be, it's all up to me. So my question is, who's really in control of your life? Who's really calling the shots? If I am, I'm in deep trouble. If God's in control, he can handle it. So why worry? Here's another personal question for you right now. What has got you worried? What's causing you to toss and to turn and to feel uncertain or insecure and wonder how it's ever going to work out? Can you think of that thing now? Well, here's a great verse to treasure. The last verse in the outline. It says, your heavenly father already knows perfectly well what you need. And he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life. That's making him the Lord. And live as he wants you to. There's two qualifications to that. Now, Can I suggest that later on today that you spend some time reading Psalm 23 and you'll find that 17 times in six verses you'll see the words I or me. It is an intensely personal psalm. Now on the other hand, you and he and his, talking about God, is used 10 times. So this psalm is about a personal relationship between you and God. And God, my friends, is the antidote to your stress. Let me say it this way, pretty easily. Religion will not get rid of your stress. Religion will not help you stop worrying. You don't need religion. What you do need 
is a living relationship with Jesus. You need a shepherd, someone who will provide and someone who will guide. And sometimes corrects our wayward thinking. Or in this case, it sounds like worrying. Is he correcting your thinking on worldly worry through his word this morning? Is he convicting you of that? I know he has me. Jesus the good shepherd says to you, I made you to know me. And he wants you to know him. That's why Jesus Christ came to earth. So I invite you today to surrender your worry and replace it with worship. So I invite you to take a first step today. By opening your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never done so, ask him to be the CEO, the shepherd of your life, as he's promised to do. Let's pray. Would you close your eyes with me now? Some of you are worried right now, and I understand that. But I do know this. God loves you, and he cares about your anxiety, and he can help you. Would you tune in the people around you and just focus on the words, the Lord is my shepherd. Emphasize the word, the Lord is my shepherd. Emphasize the words, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that with certainty? Is the Lord your shepherd? Is the shepherd your Lord? He can't be one without the other. When you can say that and mean it, you're going to stop worrying. Don't carry that burden around with you. It's unnecessary and it's not the will of God for you to ever worry. Let's pray. Say, Jesus Christ, I don't understand it all. But today, I've seen that you have promised to take care of me if I trust you. I realize that worry is just a warning light that I'm trying to control everything. I don't want to do that anymore. I want you to be in control of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to listen to you. I don't want to get to know you. Would you lead me through these troubling times in the peace and the plan that you have for me? In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.